0: So first of all, I just want to start out by saying, if anyone wants to buy any embarrassing stories about Ryan, Nick, or Carly, it's 10 round a Story, two for 20, three for 50, okay? So um, you can do the math, that doesn't work out that well. Um, but we do have a few, mom and I have a few. Um, it is such a privilege to be with you guys today and to be, especially here where our our kids are, uh, they're, you know, they're grown-ups, but they're here with you guys, and it's such a privilege to get to uh, spend this time with you. It's a little, we're a little hard sore because Nick's not here. I thought, well, Carly did the stewardship teaching. If Nick was leading worship and I'm preaching, I mean, that's three Wayland's for the price of one. But, um, <laughs> but Nick actually stayed back in the States, uh, and Margaret and I are on staff at a church there, and uh, a lot of us came to the conference. About, we brought 20 people from California to the to the 412 conference I think actually I think it was 21 and if we count them, we had a couple of friends maybe 23 and so a lot of us left the church and uh, Nick uh, uh, Nick stayed back to kind of help work there and do things and lead worship and so um, so we're really proud of him that he was willing to sort of sacrifice being able to be here with you guys during the 412 time which was amazing it was an amazing it was amazing few days. Uh, I felt like maybe, uh, I feel a little sheepish preaching after Josh, because I feel like maybe he should come back up and (laughs) minister some more. Um, No, I mean, that was a powerful moment, Josh. That was amazing. Um, But I just want to thank Leonard and the elders for uh, allowing us to come, and and we're so grateful to be here. Um, And we have friends here, too, like Colleen, and James, and Andrea, and... So, um, you know, in my experience, and I have a lot of it compared to most of you, <laughs> I feel like maybe I'm, old, maybe I'm the oldest person in the room, I don't know. Is anyone here over 56, 57? Oh, wow, I'm the oldest person in the room. Let's go. <laughs> um, so in my experience, I found that the Lord is gracious and compassionate, that He is... Um, He's really long-suffering, and he uh, he, uh, gives us a lot of opportunity and a lot of room to sort of learn and grow and become men and women of God, to grow into um, what what he's created us to be. And um, most of you know Nick's story. Does everybody know Nick's story when I talk about Nick? If you know Nick, raise your hand. So most of you know Nick's story. And I, and I, I, I often have said that I've never, seen any, I've never seen God pursue anyone the way I saw God pursue Nick. And we had a, we had a bird's eye view. We, we, we were there and we saw how God went after him. So the Lord is gracious and compassionate, but he's also, in my experience, relentless in the way he pursues us. He's relentless in the way he comes after us and loves us. We see that in, uh, in the story of Paul. When he, we all know the story about Paul when he's on the road to Damascus. And uh, the, the, you know, Jesus confronts him there. Um, if you want to look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 26. I should make this bigger. Acts chapter, Acts chapter, uh, sorry Acts chapter 26 verse 9. And Paul's talking here about his, his, back in Acts chapter 9, where Paul is confronted on the road to Damascus, his conversion experience, where he's, he's confronted by the Lord, and then he's, he's, he's retelling this story. And he says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, But when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme. And in my raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Verse In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I I saw... On the way, a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we, we, when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Is it hard for you to kick against the goads? See, Paul was on a mission to sort of oppose God. And all of us have times in our lives where we feel like, you know, we maybe are getting out of sync with God. Does anyone ever feel like you're kind of getting out of sync with God at times? Like maybe you like lose your way a little bit. You feel a little bit, uh, you feel a little bit um, like turned around. And somehow in that moment of like there's something going on where you have that moment where you feel like you're maybe a little bit off balance in your walk with God. And we, I think we all have those times where uh, we, can have, we have the potential to get derailed. And this morning, I want to talk to you about how not to get derailed in our walk with God. How to stay on track with Him. You know, again, like I said, I'm kind of the, I'm, I think I'm the oldest person in the room. And I walked, I've walked with God a long time. And there have been seasons where you feel the presence of God, you feel, you feel like you're on the right track, you feel like God's with you, you feel like you're, um, you're really counting and firing for God, and there are other times that you feel like you're in a desert. You feel like you've lost track. You feel like you don't know how to connect with Him. And we have those seasons where we come in and out of, our, of being close to God. And I think, that it, I think that as we are pressing into him and following him and trying to find him, that we can, we, there are things that we can do to avoid being derailed. There are things we can do to avoid those seasons where we seem to get off track and seem to get away from him. It's, I don't know about you, but it's my desire that I stay close to God yeah. every day for the rest of my life but I'm a human being, but I make mistakes, but I get my eyes off of him sometimes. And, and in my experience, God will continue to come after us. But man, I don't want him to have to come after me. I want, him to, be, I want to be close to him. I want to go after him. I don't want him to have to chase after me. So how do, we, how do we live a life? How do, we, how do we conduct ourselves? How do we carry ourselves in a way where we won't get, we won't get derailed in our walk with God? You know, Matthew chapter seven, verse 13: 14 says, "Every enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many, for the gate is narrow. And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Luke 13, 24 says, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. That word strive means anguish. That, mean, that's, that word strive means with everything that's within you. To the point of crying, bleeding, dying, whatever you got to do. It says strive to enter. It's not a casual skipping along the, the, uh, the path and you'll find God. It's actually something where we have to apply ourselves. At times, we're applying ourselves with everything we have. There are times when it feels like, I, I, you know, I, I have to give it everything I've got. That word strive means to Contend like you're in a contest. To fight like you're in a fight. To struggle. To, pour, to push in. To endeavor with strenuous zeal. Strive. First Timothy 4.10 says, for To this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is a Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Hebrews 12 4 says, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. We are called to fight for our faith. Yeah. We are called to push into God. We are called to work at this, work at it constantly with, with fervor. We're called to follow closely after Him. Yeah. First Timothy six, eleven says. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the, of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you were made. Uh, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're called to fight for this. But how many of you know we have an adversary? We have an enemy who wants to help us get off track. For most of us the enemy doesn't have to completely de- he doesn't have to completely destroy us. He just has to distract us. He doesn't have to break us. He just has to bend us. And we'll take our eyes off the Lord. How many of us have like just a little bit, like you look back now and you think that what felt like a big trial was actually just a little trial, yeah. but it got you off track, didn't it? Maybe you, you, maybe you struggled in that class and you didn't get the grade you wanted to get, or maybe you didn't pass the class and you had to retake the class. Maybe you had some financial struggle. Maybe it was a relationship that went south, that didn't work out the way you wanted it to. And at the moment, it seemed like the most difficult, terrible, awful thing you could experience. And now you look back on it and think, man, I was kind of silly. How many, y'all, does anybody here listen to country music? Oh, okay. Garth Brooks. Anybody listen to Garth Brooks? So there's a country singer in the States, and he's like the, he's like the, one of the top country singers. And he has this song, and it's called um, Unanswered Prayers. And uh, in the song, he's telling the story about how he goes back to, he's, he's been out of high school or, uh, for 10 years, and he goes back to the high school football game, and he's there with his wife, his beautiful wife who he loves, and he runs into his high school girlfriend, and he looks at her and, he, and he, he remembers all the hopes and dreams that he had pinned around this girl. She was the one. She was the, he says, she was the one that I wanted for all my life. And he's standing there with his wife and he says, sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. He looks at this woman who he thought was everything and he says, ooh, I was wrong. Because now I've got this wife. This this is the one. She was the one. And if God had answered my prayer that she would be the one for my whole life, I would have missed out on this one. Sometimes the things that derail us seem bigger than they actually are. But they still derail us. So we have to find ways to avoid being derailed. And one of the ways I think that would help is if we know what things can derail us. So I, I, I just listed a few things. What are the things that can trip us up? What are the things that can distract us from what God wants to do in, a, in us, through us? What can trip us up from just being in relationship with him? So one of the first things, one of the enemy's favorite tricks that seems to work really well, and sometimes it works really well on me, is our offenses one of the best ways for the enemy to get us off track is to get us offended. He gets double po- he gets double points, double points, double points if he can get, he can get you offended at one of your leaders because that, that works even better. if he can get, if he can get you offended, offended at your friend, you're like, eh, but your leader is like, "uh." Eh. Offense is one of the most effective ways to get you off track. And you don't have to be offended at the Lord. You can just be offended at a person. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, that unforgiveness that, that, that um, takes up residence in your heart, that anger, that resentment, that bitterness gets us, it, 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 it skews the way we see. We begin to say, God, how could that person, how could you let that person do that to me? And it gets our eyes off of him. The injustice, the unfairness, the pain, the betrayal, it's just, it's just so easy to just get our eyes off of God. Because, because in the end, we, we we probably really blame God when we get hurt, don't we? In the end, a lot of times for our, our pain, we want to say we want to place it somewhere, and it's like how many times have you said or have you heard someone say, "God, how could you do? That? How could you let this happen?" And that offense, it it clouds our eyes, it clouds our minds, it clouds our just judgment. I have to confess, I have to confess that offense has gotten me off track. Offense has derailed me. There, has been, there have been seasons in my life where I, I honestly was so offended I couldn't see God. And God had to, God had to grab a hold of my heart. But thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you come after us. Thank you that you don't leave us where we are. Thank you that you love us enough to come after us. So offense, offense is a way. Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 19 says, and An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Think about that, that statement. A fortified city. That sounds like it'd be pretty hard to win a battle against a fortified city. And here, Proverbs tells us that an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. It says, Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. That's pretty serious stuff. We have to watch our hearts, we have to guard ourselves against offense. We have, to, we have to be careful that we don't let those things come in. What's another thing that, that has a tendency to, or, or the potential to get us off track? <clears throat> this one's a little different. Do you know that sometimes good stuff can get us off track? When I was younger, I had a youth, when I was much younger, I had a youth pastor who used to say that the good is the enemy of the best. That sometimes a good thing can get our eyes off of God. Sometimes something that looks good, like that high school girlfriend, she looked good. She looked like the one. But if he, if, if he hadn't ended that, he wouldn't have had the best. And there are times in our lives where we can, we can begin to fix our, fix our hope, our minds, our thoughts on something that's good. And it can get our our eyes off of God's best for us. Yeah. Proverb 21, verse 2 says, People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. Even though something may feel right, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. Even though something may look good, it doesn't mean it's the right thing. In those cases, in those instances, we have to, we have to be diligent to lean into god and say god is this the best thing for me we have to be diligent to lean into our leaders and trust that they love us and they'll help us see the best over the good there's going to be times when you're going to come to your leader with a relationship and you're going to have like you know like you know you're going to be blind you know they say love is blind right they say love is blind for a reason because sometimes what we think is love is actually just infatuation. Sometimes what we think is love is just, man, I like the way that person looks, or it feels right, or I'm lonely. And I'd rather be with someone than no one. And it's in those times when we have to say, we have to come to our leaders and say, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to submit myself to you. There's sometimes when we just can't trust ourselves. And in that area, I think, it's, I think that's one of the... Specific areas where sometimes we just can't trust ourselves and we need to come and say, hey, if you say she's not the one, I'm going to trust you. I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I was 21 when we met. I think I was 21 when I met Ann-Margaret. Ann-Margaret and I have been married for 33 years. If you've never seen an angel, look this way. (laughs) No, her children will concur. I'm not the easiest person to be married to. But I remember I was I was uh, 21, and you know, like I, you know, Emmert, we we met and we began to spend time together, and and uh, and we'd been kind of hanging around for a couple of months, and I went to my youth pastor my leader I went to my leader and I said yeah I, don't, I just I'm not sure and uh, I always say this is the best advice anyone's ever given me he looked me dead in the eye and he said to me you will not do any better than this and you know he was right he was right I, I, would, I, I mean I have the most gracious, kind amazing wife and I would, have not, I would not be standing here, there's no way I'd be standing here without her so t- you, you, we've got to lean into those and trust those leaders who love us you know sometimes Leonard or, or Henry or gonna. you're going to go to them and you're going to think, man, they're, they're not going to like what you like. They're not going to want what you want. They're not going to agree with everything you say. And you're thinking, man, they just, they just don't get it. They don't just get me. They don't, they don't care about me. And it's like, trust me. The last thing these guys want to do is create problems for you. They're trying to help you stay out of problems. So you've got to trust them. James 2 over there. Um, so another thing that can derail us is Ambition. Ambition can derail us. Um, chasing the spotlight can just lead us down the wrong path. We really have to check our own hearts. We really have to say, man, is it, do I want to be on the worship team because I want to be up front? Or do I want to be on the worship team because I just can't help worship the Lord? Do I want to preach just because, man... It's fun to get up in front of people and preach. Or do I have something burning in me that just can't be contained? Ambitious. Ambition can get us off track. It can derail us from what God wants to do in our lives. It's interesting because you get the prophet, and the prophet wants to be the teacher. And you get the teacher, and the teacher wants to be the evangelist. And you get the pastor, and the pastor wants to be the apostle. Let me tell you, there's nothing better for you than being who God made you to be. The best thing you can do is, instead of trying to be somebody or be something that God hasn't made you to be, is to be exactly who God made you to be. Ambition can just get us all messed up. We can waste so much time chasing the wrong things. Some of us have a dream that we want to be rich. Or we want to be, you know, successful in this area or that area. Our dream needs to be, I want to be who God made me to be. Rich, poor, in front, in back. I just want to be who God made me to be. Proverbs 18.1 says, He who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. When we seek our own desire... When we seek what we what we want over what the Lord wants, we we step out of what he, we step out of sound judgment. We end up in places we're not supposed to be, and we get derailed on what God wants to do in our lives. Sometimes the most powerful people in the kingdom of God are the people that are sitting alone sitting alone in a room praying. Those are the people that start revivals. People who sit in rooms alone praying. Another thing that can derail us is, is just plain old devil's deception. It's just the way the devil wants to lie to us. He is the father of lies. John eight forty-four says he's the father of lies. And he's going he's gonna to lie to you. He's going to trick you. He's going to deceive you. He's going to find ways to get your eyes off of him, to get your eyes on other things. To, he's going gonna to tell you, you should go right when you should go left. He'll tell you that Leonard's giving you the stink eye when Leonard's just holding in gas. He'll tell you that Henry's mad at you when Henry's actually just mad at his wife, he'll tell you that your best friend likes someone better than you. Do you ever get those moments of insecurity where it's like, you know, you've got this best friend, you always, and all of a sudden you see, like, you know, I always say, I always say you, know, you guys all know who Mervis is, right? Yeah. Everybody knows who Mervis is. I always say, everybody thinks they're Mervis' best friend. But I've got news for you. I'm actually Mervis' best friend. <laughs> but sometimes I'll see Merv over there talking to Jacques or somebody else. And I'll be like, hey, you shouldn't be that you're my friend, not his friend. <laughs> the enemy will use every tactic he can just to get you looking at the wrong things, to derail you, to get your eyes off of the Lord, and to like, he'll try to like, he'll try to mess with your heart we need to be aware of that. We need to be watching out. We need to be standing guard. We need to be striving and fighting the good fight of faith. So what are some keys for us to avoid getting derailed? First thing, the first key, and these are going to be super obvious. So I'm saying them by way of reminder. But the first key to avoiding derailment is to stay close to Jesus. They say the, easy, the, the, the best way to spot a counterfeit is to study the real. The best way to spot a, a scheme of the enemy is to stay close to Jesus. Get up, in, get up in under his wing. Get up close to him. And then when the enemy comes and tries to lie to you, deceive you, he tries to, to dangle you know, some temptation in front of you, some ambition in front of you. He tries to get you offended. You think, man, I am not going to trade this up close to Jesus for some stupid lie of the enemy. Staying close to Jesus, it says, um, Jesus says in John 5, fifteen five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Man, if we want to be on track with God, if we want to be, if we want to be a fruitful in God, we just have to stay up close to him. It's, it's, let me ask you to think about something really quickly. Think about the last time you felt like, man, I just don't feel that close to Jesus. Think about the last time you felt like, man, I, I don't know, I'm just, my walk with God is kind of dry feels Kind of empty. I just, I don't, I'm having trouble connecting with him. <clears throat> How's your quiet time? How's your time with the Lord? Are you prioritizing that? Is that something, is that a non negotiable for you? That you get up in the morning and you spend time with Jesus. One of the most reliable ways to avoid getting derailed is spending time with Jesus. And if, you're, if you do that day after day, it gets harder and harder for the enemy to derail you. Second way that we avoid being derailed is we stay close to our leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Stay close to your leaders. If you feel like, you know, like, man, I can't get any time with Leonard, then get some time with Mornay. If you can't get time with Mornay, get some time with Henry. If you can't get time with Henry, go to James. Go to your community leader. Get, stay close to your leaders and ask them to look into your life. Are there things that you're seeing in me? Is there, are there attitudes? Are you picking up on an attitude that, that maybe, maybe it's like a, it's a hint that there's an offense there. You're grumbling a lot, you're complaining a lot, you're angry, you're resentful, you're bitter. Hey, let's figure out why that is. Hey, man, I'm just not, you know, I just don't feel happy. Mornee, I'm like, I'm really struggling with, I feel like, like I've lost my joy. Will you help me figure that out? Stay close to your leaders, because they're that's why they're here. They're here to help you stay on track. They're here to help you avoid being derailed, and they love you, and they've given their lives to you. So don't let yourself drift off. I know that, there's, that, that, that life is busy, and there's times where you're going to be like, there's a lot of other opportunities for you to be involved in a lot of things. Don't let yourself drift off. Stay close to your leaders. If you don't want to get derailed, stay close to your leaders. And then the third way, the final way to tr- how we avoid getting derailed is we don't treat the symptoms, we treat the disease. Sometimes we're busy looking at all the outward symptoms of what's wrong rather than getting to the root. I told you I, I had a time where recently where I, 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 I had some, a, a, an area where I was like, I was just really frustrated like really, really frustrated, more so than i have been in a long time. And I just kept getting more frustrated, and I kept thinking, you know, it was this person in my life that, that was like just, they were just driving me crazy, and I couldn't figure it out, and I just found myself always like complaining and, and grumbling and frustrated. And it was mostly, I would, you know, obviously I would keep it with, you know, usually with my wife, and we'd be talking, and, I, and man, I'm just frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. I'm like, why am I so frustrated? And God spoke to me. And he said, you have unforgiveness in your heart towards that person. That person had done something to me two years ago. And it triggered something in me. And I held unforgiveness for two years. And it wasn't until I said, I stopped thinking about all the symptoms well, when that person does that, it frustrates me or makes me mad or I don't understand it or I don't know why. I just said, forget the symptoms. Forget that I'm frustrated, angry, resentful, bitter, all those things. And I finally said, okay, Lord, what is this thing in me? Why, why am I feeling this way? And the Lord showed me. You got unforgiveness in your heart. And it's like, oh. So once you get unforgiveness in your heart, you see everything through that lens. And everything reinforces how you're feeling. The person could could skip up to you and say, hey, it's a beautiful day. I love you. And for some reason, that's going to drive you crazy. (laughs) Don't treat the symptoms. Treat the disease. The disease is there's probably some sin in your life, in your heart, that you need to deal with. Most of the times, most of the time, it's some, it, it's, it, it will almost always trace back to some form of pride. He, Isaiah 43, I'm sorry, Isaiah 14, 13 to 14. You said my, as you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will, set my, I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heavens. I will make myself like the most high. The enemy loves to use pride to derail us because its his, it's what he does it's who he is it's what derailed him and most of these things of pride it's pride at the heart it's a, it's the how dare they who do they think they are don't they know who I am or some version of that you have to ask God what's at the root of it what's at the root of what i'm what I'm dealing with, what I'm feeling with, feeling why do I feel derailed? And then you just wait and listen. You talk to him, you talk to your leaders, you treat the disease, not the symptoms. When you talk to the Lord, it's like he knows you. He knows what's happening in your heart, he knows what's happening in your life. Are you gonna ask him? Or are you just gonna continue to be unhappy unsatisfied, discontent. I said earlier, God does pursue us, but he wants us to pursue him too. God has so much for us if we'll, if we'll stay on that track with him. He has so much for you to step into, to walk into, to lay hold of. And you may be here tonight and you may be, it may be like, man, I I know what you're talking about because I've been in that place. I felt like God has, I felt like I've been derailed in my walk with God. I just haven't been connecting with him the way I know I should, the way I know I want to. And you're sitting there tonight and you're thinking, man, that's me and I need some help. Man, I want to pray for you. I want to ask God to to uh, just come in and touch you tonight. I want to, I want to ask God to come in and just help you get right back on track. You don't have to; it doesn't have to take a week, a month, two years. It could be right now. It may be that God wants to reveal an area of sin in your life that he that you're not, you're not dealing with, that you're not bringing out into the light, that you're not um, that you're not confessing and. And maybe he wants to bring that up. But it may be an offense. It may be that someone hurt you. It may be that um, you just had your, you've you had your eyes on the wrong things. So I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to ask that, if, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads and... If, if, if that's you, if that resonates with you tonight and you feel like you're feeling something of what I've been sharing is like, man, that's me. I need help. I just want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. So, Lord, I just want to thank you um, for these hands. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're here pursuing. That these hands represent you pursuing hearts. And Lord, I want to ask that you would, um, that each one, Lord, they would, that they would just, they would even right now just feel your hand on their shoulder. Lord, that each one would just feel you drawing them in close to you. Lord, I want to pray that you would um, you would be, be be to each one of them the God of revelation tonight. And you would come and you would just speak to them and show them and lead them to that place of connecting, reconnecting with you. Lord, I pray that tonight would be a like a transformative night, like that moment with Paul on the road to Damascus when he when you appeared to him and just changed everything in a moment Lord. i pray that each one would have the courage to reach out to you and to reach out to a friend a, a leader who can help them through lord i thank you that you love us and you never leave us and you don't forsake us i thank you that we get to be close to you in jesus name amen Thank you.